I love this church. No, you know, not just... And I don't say that because I'm the pastor and I have to. If I didn't, I wouldn't say anything. But, but the family feel of our church and the love, the real love of God that's in this place that people express with each other is one of the reasons that people want to join this body because we really are a family and we have a good time. When we go through pain, we suffer together. When we experience joy, we rejoice together. And, and you look around and you realize you're not alone. And there are people that will join with you in faith and pray with you and be there with you. And that is an amazing thing. Amen. Well, I got to tell you something real quick. Uh, Dave actually told me this story. There was a, a lawyer that uh, had a little, lived in a little town, and he got off work, and he said, you know what, today I'm going to walk home. And so he, he went off, and, he, and he's walking home, and as he's going down through the neighborhoods, there was this one house that had a big eight-foot wooden fence all the way around it, and he could hear somebody in the backyard going, 13, 13. It was a nut house, by the way. It was a nut house. Oh, a nut house. Thank you. So crazy people. Okay, so there's these crazy people in the backyard, and they're going, 13, 13. And, and the lawyer's going, what in the world? And he's wanting to see, but he can't see inside, so he doesn't know what's going on. Finally, he walks around to the back, and there's a knot hole that's open in the back of the fence. And so he leans down and looks inside, and somebody pokes him right in the eye. And then he hears, 14, 14. <laughs> I really like that. I may do that, because I think that would be awesome. <laughs> we just gave some teenagers a really bad idea. <laughs> uh, if you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. I'm very excited about today's message. Very, very excited. Father, uh, oh, what am I doing? Let's pray. Let's do this together. <laughs> I was just jumping right on. Y'all be there in like five minutes. Oh, my arm. No, we won't do that. It's not SWAT school. So, uh, uh, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, sound awesome. Um, we're going to talk for this week and next week about real joy, J-O-Y, real joy. I want to tell you why we're doing this. A few weeks ago, um, and I don't even know why the Lord brought it up in my spirit, but the question, the Bible talks over 200 times, over 200 times about joy or rejoicing. And, and I really, and Jesus talked about it a lot, and, and God talked about it a lot. And, and I ask myself this question, which is the same question I'm going to ask you in the sermon today. How do I define joy? So let me ask you the question. How do you define joy? If I say, if somebody says, hey, I have joy, what does that mean to you? Just throw, throw that out. What do you think? Joy. What? I have Jesus. Okay. What else? Somebody said happiness over here. What else? Joy. Peace. Okay. Love. Okay. It's good. That's good. When, when I ask myself this question, you guys came up with some better things than I did. I don't think I could come up with a really good definition. I, I mean, I thought of happiness, and I thought, but, but I know that whenever the Bible is talking about a word, especially a word that's been translated from another language, Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all these different things, that there's a meaning behind these words, and I could not define what joy was. And there's some scriptures in the Bible that are extremely powerful talking about joy, and I didn't know what the definition really meant. 
And as I began to think about it and pray about it and prepare messages, and trust me, I really want to make sure every week when you guys come, this is good. I mean, I want you to leave with something that you can really use. I want to give you tools for life. I mean, it's important to me. And and as I began to ask myself this question about joy, I mean, we're going into my favorite time of the year. I mean, this time of year, I love it. You know, there's deer running around everywhere, some of them that eye me really strangely, and, you know, we'll deal with that another day. But, um, I mean, this, the, one, the leaves are changing, and it's cool, and we're getting ready to go into the holiday season, and I love it. Because Thanksgiving, we have football and fried turkey, and, and then we go into the Christmas season, which is my very favorite time of the year. Matter of fact, my birthday is next Saturday, and we've decided we're going to decorate the house for Christmas on my birthday in November. <laughs> You know, isn't that cool? And and it's because we just want to celebrate it all year long. The other reason is it's because it's already freezing cold and it feels like Christmas. So, but we're going to go ahead and decorate because we want to celebrate these seasons. Why? And they're called seasons of joy. Hmm. And so I want to understand. And so what you're going to get today is the benefit of what joy really is. And there are some promises in the Bible for you as a Christian that talk about joy. We're going to deal with those today. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, look up on the screens, and Nehemiah continued, he was talking to the people in the city of Jerusalem, go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared, this is a sacred day before our Lord, don't be dejected and sad, and listen to this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this is really the scripture that made me think, what is the joy of the Lord and how is that my strength? Hmm, so there's that one. Then we can go on to Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and then what? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. But as I studied this week, The fruit of the Spirit, the first one is obvious because we know the kingdom is all about what? Loving God and loving people. So it made sense to me that love was first. But number two was joy. I went, what? Love and then joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Hmm. Then I wanted to see what Jesus says because I think when Jesus says something, it's pretty important. And this is what Jesus said, John 15, 10 through 11. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There's love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11. I have told you this so that my what? Joy may be in you and that your what? Joy may be complete. So this joy thing is huge. I mean, there's something to this. I mean, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in our lives, means that the joy of the Lord is in us. In the Old Testament, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That means this joy thing is extremely powerful. Jesus thought so much of it that he said the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Jesus also said in here that I want my joy. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you. I think we've got to understand what this means because if we will understand it, it will be life-changing for us. And so today, I believe that when we're done, you're going to understand what God's joy is. So the question is, number one on your notes, what is real joy? Next week, I'm going to talk about what joy's not. 
This week I want to talk about what joy is. So we're going to talk about what real joy is. The Greek word for joy is this. It's chara. Everybody say chara. I don't know if I said that right, but y'all said it too. But the Greek word is chara. And here's what it means. Joy, gladness, rejoicing, and celebrating. Hmm. That's interesting. The Hebrew word that's usually associated with joy is the word simha. Everybody say simha. Now, those of you that have been coming on Wednesday night, what I did this week is exactly what Trisha has been teaching you guys to do on Wednesdays. I looked up and I went online because books are hard for me to open and stuff. So I went online and I looked up these definitions in Hebrew and Greek, and you can absolutely do the same thing. But here's what the, the Hebrew word simha means, to be cheerful or glad. It's usually associated with festivals, the joy that's associated with the festival, regarding something that God has done for us or deliverance. It's a celebration or a victory dance. And here was the illustration that came to my mind when I read the Hebrew word simha and when I think about the Greek word, okay? Do you guys remember, and John Sinclair, you're up there, was it two years ago or three years ago that we were down by two and it was three seconds left and we threw that pass in the end zone and won? When was that? Last year. One of the greatest football, how many of you are football fans? Let me see your hand. How many of you were at that game last year when we were down and it was like, it was everything that a football game is supposed to be because we won, you know? I mean, here we are and we're in the last few, it was like eight seconds left or something, and, and we're all on our feet and we're screaming and hollering and, and, it's, and it's, we're behind and, and we've got to score a touchdown to win and, and the quarterback drops back and he throws the ball up for a Hail Mary pass and the receiver's down just near the end zone, catches the ball, falls into the end zone. John, I vividly will always remember this, runs out on the field and is like hugging this kid and screaming and everybody's jumping around and we're going crazy. That's Simha. Okay? Do you get that? The celebration, the joy, the, the we won, this victory thing. I mean, I get chill bumps thinking about it right now. It was awesome. I may just mm, do a little happy dance right now. I mean, it's this amazing, that's what that is. We won. I mean, we won. We, there's this great victory. So there's this joy that is that. There's this joy. I mean, so when you think of the fruit of the Spirit producing that in your life, think about this. We won. Jesus overcome death, hell, and the grave. We want, we as Christians, that's supposed to reside in us. And that gives you strength. And I thought, that's amazing. But if you don't know you won, you don't have that joy. Do you see? You have to participate. You have to walk through that and celebrate that victory in your life. You have to realize what God's done for you, that it's your team, that it's your life. And, and when I begin to understand this, I'm like, ah, now these lights, and I'm a little slow, as y'all know, and these lights start popping on, and I'm like, oh, but then the Lord showed me something else that for some of you will have never seen before because I hadn't either. Listen to this. Number two, look at your notes. Number two, what is the joy of the Lord. What is the joy of the Lord? Nehemiah 8.10 says this. This is Nehemiah. He's talking. He says, do not grieve. It's the first scripture I read to you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
as I began to study this out, the Hebrew definition of joy here is different from the other definition, simha. It's different. As a matter of fact, this word joy, this definition of the Hebrew word joy is only used two times in the entire Bible, twice. And, and, and I knew that this is where the Lord was wanting to take me when I began to study this. And so I studied it out, and this is the Hebrew definition of the word joy in this scripture. It's used twice in the t- entire Bible. Here is what it means. It's the Hebrew word hedva. Everybody say hedva. Now I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to explain it to you. Hedva is a noun derived from the word hada, and the word picture, because this is the way the Hebrews would explain this, the way any language is set up, is that a word actually describes a picture for you, something that you can visually understand what it means. And this is what the word picture means. Behold a door in the fence. Behold a door in the fence. So now we begin to see, what does the Lord rejoice about? What makes God have joy? What is this joy of the Lord? What what does that mean? And, And Nehemiah is saying here, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we need to understand what the Lord rejoices in. What brings God joy, this celebration, this this thing in God's life that makes him joyful. What is that thing? And it's a door in the fence. In other words, God, Yahweh, it's the gladness of providing a path for coming into his presence. So what cheers God? What makes God joyful? A way in for a relationship with him. We are not shut out, for he has provided a way back. The joy of the Lord is that he can fellowship with us. And as I begin to study that, I'm going to explain it to you so you understand. What makes God rejoice? What makes God feel like the football game where you win at the last second and your team wins? What makes God feel that way is you coming into his presence and him having fellowship with you. That's what God rejoices about. Think about that. Think about that, Jack. What God rejoices about is that he gets to have relationship with you. So wait a minute. What God considers a touchdown, what God considers a win, what God loves and rejoices about is the fact that he gets to have fellowship with you, Scott. He gets to have a relationship with you. That's what God gets excited about. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11 in the New King James. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. God makes a way, God makes a way for us, and then we get to come into his presence, and then in his presence is the victory. In God's presence is the fullness. It doesn't just say joy, it says the fullness of, which means all that there is. That's where real joy is found, is in the presence of God. First Chronicles 16, 27 says this, Splendor and majesty are before him, God. Strength and joy are his dwelling place they're in his dwelling place strength and joy 
So when you have victory, when you have this kind of presence in your life, when you begin to realize that the joy of the Lord is your strength, that God rejoices over you, then the strength of God begins to well up in you because you realize that's God's presence, and we have won. There's nothing the devil can do. Dennis, there is nothing the devil can do to you. There's nothing. There is victory. That song we sing, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, that's what this is talking about. We need to begin to understand that we've already won. We've already won, guys. We have already won. We need to walk in the fullness of that. We need to walk in the fullness of that. God really was speaking to me this week, and I'll tell you, emotionally, this was a tough week for me. A lot of challenges going on in our community, a lot of things that are, that are rough, and, and I know it's there, but sometimes I really look at it, and, and one of the things I began to realize, especially having come back from SWAT school, and the, and the police officers and others will tell you this, so many times in life, whether we're, we're always in the, on the backside of things where we're picking up the mess of people's lives. You know what I'm talking about? People are broken, and then we come and fix them. You know, you need a hospital for people that are hurt, Right? And that's what churches are many times. We're hospitals for people that are hurt. But you know what? This week I began to realize is that we've got to get on the front end of the thing so we don't have to have hospitals. Right? Is it better to be healed or not need healing? Not need healing. Is it better to to have to be saved from something or not be in the position where you need to be saved from something? Does that make sense? Are y'all guys tracking with me? So, so, and I began to realize as I began to pray about that and think about it this week, it is the job of the church to get on the front end of things so that people have to deal with less pain in life. That's our job. And, and so if we do a good job of educating and loving people and giving them opportunities to come into relationship with Jesus, they will have less heartache in their life to deal with. Are you tracking with me? If we do a good job reaching these kids Wednesday night that come in and some of them give their hearts to the Lord, how much heartache will later be avoided in life if they have a relationship with God now? Let me ask you this question. How many of you came to Jesus later in your life? Did you have a little bit of baggage? Oh, yeah, somebody said. Loads, truckloads, a U-Haul. (laughs) <laughs> worth the baggage and that's what happens but but how many times have i heard and have you heard i wish i would have known this all these years ago come on somebody how many of you said wow i wish i would have had a relationship with god when i was in elementary school or teenager and i came later and praise god that he has grace and mercy but we've got to get on the front end of this thing so that we're not always having to pick up the pieces of people's lives but we're helping them become the people that god wants them to be at a younger and younger age Amen. But it's going to take a lot of you getting involved to do that. We don't need to be in recovery mode all the time. You know, the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against, prevail against the church. You know what that means? Do gates move? I mean, do they advance? That means we go and attack them. And I want you to understand something. Around here, If God says charge the gates of hell, we'll do it if he gives us a squirt gun. (laughs) Right? Because the whole idea is of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God advances. And if you look at the armor of God, the armor that he gives you, there's no armor on your back, guys. Because we don't retreat. We attack. 
and we advance and we move forward and we fight back the darkness and we push back the darkness because that's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about advancing and it's about moving forward and it's about setting the captives free, but we've got to go where they are and set them free. You know the other reason that there's no armor on your back? It's because God's got your back and your brothers and sisters around you are supposed to be covering your back. One is none, two is one. And that's why we we move forward as an army of the Lord. That's why the Bible says the army of the Lord. And we advance and we move forward. And I start getting excited about that. Because instead of being on the backside going, what are we going to do? We're going to pick up our swords and we're going to charge. And the devil and demons are going to be going, what are they doing? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I want to punch the devil in the mouth every once in a while. I mean, really? Y'all can do better than that. Some of y'all are going, I don't know. I will not do that. I'm going to give him a golf clap. <laughs> but when it's your family at stake, hmm, you're going to charge, aren't you? You know, I was reminded yesterday at the funeral, we don't have forever. And I'm convinced there's the sin of commission. None of this is on my notes, Becky. I'm sorry. There's the sin of commission and there's the sin of omission. Commission are the sins that you do. But I think the ones that we probably regret the most are the things that we never did. Where God told us to reach out to somebody and we didn't do it. Missed opportunities. You know, at funerals, you think about that because you look around and, and you think, man, I wish I would have said or I wish I would have done or, or why is this the only time we ever get together? Or, or you know, we've got, guys, we've got to live like we're dying. And we've got to live with purpose. That's another thing they taught us at SWAT school. Move with purpose. We, and we have to do that as the church. We have to move with purpose. We're not going to stand back waiting for, for something to happen. We've got to advance the kingdom of God. We don't need to wait for something to go wrong before the church reacts. We are the kingdom of God. We already won. So why are we acting like we lost? What are we going to do? I mean, I keep thinking that. And that's what the churches do so many times is that we sit back. Well, if God does something. Really? Jesus died and rose again and he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside you. Jesus said, my presence, my power is going to live inside of you. Greater things will you do. Man, I'm getting my preacher on this morning. (laughs) But he said, greater things will you do than I do because I go to the Father. And his presence lives with you. I want to tell you something. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I talked to a leader in the community this week that had been sick over a year ago. And I went to the hospital to visit someone else, and I found out this person was there. And so I stopped in, and I prayed for them. What I didn't know is God healed them that day. Now listen, listen. This ain't about me because I didn't know about it, and that's irrelevant. But what's important is this community leader, God healed them and they said, Pastor, what do you need us to do for your church? I didn't even know what had happened. I just went in and prayed, and I believed, and God healed them, and, and now they're doing good and doing all these things. They said, Pastor, what do we need to do? And I began to realize that God has given our church the ability to penetrate the darkness. 
because the power of God lives in us. I mean, that's really good. But here's the deal. It's no different for me than it is for you. So you know better than that. Why can't you do that? You can. Why? Because it's the power of God. We already won, and that spirit lives inside of you. And so when you pray for people, I expect them to get healed too. Same God, same Holy Spirit. It's not because I'm brilliant. Somebody said amen. (laughs) Hey, I think many times God sent me to be your pastor. Go, well, if he can do it, you know, I mean, that really. (laughs) God handpicked us from Texas. Come show y'all it can be done. Okay? But I believe that. And you know what excited me? Because as I was feeling down this week, then I realized that. And Tommy said some things to me this week that really encouraged me. We have a chance. And I look at the government and I look at the world and I look at the things that are going on and it makes me mad. And you know why it makes me mad? Is because we already won, but we're acting like we didn't. How does that break the heart of God? Because we don't believe what he said. Jesus said, it's good that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to be in you. And then he said, go in the same power, in the same spirit, in the same presence. And he even said, it's good that I go. And I keep thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if I got to hang out with Jesus? And Jesus has turned around and said, no, it's good that I go away because I can send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be in you and he's going to work through you. There are thousands of people, thousands of people within 15 miles of this location that don't go to church anywhere. Nothing would make me happier than for them to be going to other churches in our area, and then I get to handpick who comes here, but it doesn't work that way. But, but I would love for our church to be full, but I want all the other churches to be full because that's what the kingdom of heaven is going to be. Don't kid yourself. We're going to get up there and all your buddies from the other churches that love God, that are Bible-believing churches are going to be there. Some of them are going to be surprised to see you. (laughs) That's the grace of God, amen? There's going to be some pastors going to be surprised to see me. Well, I can't believe it. (laughs) That's the grace of God, amen? But we should rejoice. You know how you feel after the backpack event? You're tired, but you feel good. It's a good tired. You know, Wednesday night, we're going to feel good. We're going to be tired, but it's a good tired. Imagine walking out as the kingdom of God, and, and we're just whomping on the devil, but it's a good tired. That's what we need to be, to have that kind of joy living in our lives. Here's number three. John 10, verse 6 through 10. God God rejoices over a door back into his presence. And here's the blank. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. John 10, 6 through 10. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So Jesus said to them again. In other words, Jesus was explaining who he was, and the people didn't understand Okay, so he said, all right, I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to make it real simple. I mean, I even understand this. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. But I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come to, except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. Why is that important? Look back in the Old Testament. What does it say in Nehemiah where it says the joy of the Lord is the strength? What is the word picture there? That God made a door. Some of you are going to get this right now. God made a door, and he's, he rejoices. The greatest joy in God's life is him creating this door to have fellowship with you. Then you come to the New Testament, and Jesus says, I'm the door. Do you understand? God rejoices that there is a door. Jesus is the door that, that allows us to come into his presence. So if anybody has a question, if Jesus is the way to the Father, that's the answer to that. Right? And Jesus says, I'm it. I'm the door. And so what that tells me is that God rejoices in relationship with us. Jesus is the door to that relationship. And what we have to do is move into that presence. We are created for relationship with God. And God rejoices in our relationship with him. This is what it's all about. The kingdom of God is built on relationship. Your relationship with God is and your relationship with each other. We talked about this yesterday at the service. The only thing that ultimately is going to matter when this life is over is your relationship with God, right? And your relationship with people. I've said this before. It bears repeating. There are no U-Hauls coming to heaven with your bass boat, guys. Sorry. They're not going to happen. You know, ladies, all your shoes will not translate, okay? It's not, sorry, it's not going to happen. The only thing that's going to matter are your relationship with God and your relationship with people. The legacy that you leave is around you right now. It's the people that you loved and the lives that were touched and the lives that were changed by what God did through your life. That is what's going to matter. And I want to encourage you today, don't, you, you don't know when your day's up, you don't know when your time's over, you don't get to pick that. And so you don't know, and what you need to do is begin to invest your life in things that will matter for eternity. You know, Evelyn's getting ready to go on a mission trip. You know, Cindy just got back from one. We're taking the youth group next summer. They're going down to missions around the world, and I think that's awesome. We are a church that gives 10% to local and foreign missions. And I believe over the years we're going to send more people out. We've also got one of the greatest mission fields in the world right here. We need to reach people overseas. We need to reach people here. You are a missionary. You just don't know it. You're a missionary right here. And it's such a simple thing to do, to love the people around you, to care about the people around you. And it's not about your vocation. That doesn't matter. Whatever God has you doing, whether you're a banker or a policeman or a teacher or a mom that stays at home or whoever you are, you are called to love the people around you and share the love of Christ with them. And here's the other thing you can do. You can pray. Because your prayer matters and your prayer avails much. And when somebody rises up in your life, pray for them. You know, I try to make a habit of this. When I think about somebody, I'll text them. Hey, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. You never know what they're going through. You never know what they're dealing with. 
Teenagers, I want to encourage you guys to do that. Some of y'all have like implants already. That's just part of your body. Just think about this and Twitter somebody and say, hey, man, God loves you. Because you never know when somebody's on the edge. And that might be the thing that draws them back. There's, there's somebody out there that's going, I need to hear a word from God today. I need to know if God loves me. And all of a sudden, bling, that thing pops up and you're, you're reaching out to them. Technology can be used for the kingdom. Amen? Instead of cursing the darkness, let's stand up against it. Instead of lamenting the fact that things are so bad, let's do something. And when enough of us get together in advance, the devil gets nervous. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to turn my preacher off. <laughs> we are a community church. We're not going to build a fortress here. We're not going to build this thing here that says, let's all go inside the church and hide. Because we don't want the world to get us. That's not what I read. The best defense is a good offense. Let's just score. Let's just outscore them. Let's just outscore them. Let's get out there and and let's just punch the devil enough that they go, you know what? I don't think I want to come to Sharp County anymore. Right? I mean, I, I don't know that I want to try that because every time we mess with these churches come up and the, they're sharing the love of God and they're loving each other and they're unified and all of a sudden the power of God is moving and they don't want to be here. You know, I never saw Dev, Jesus arguing with the demon. He just said, get out of here. And if we will allow the power and presence of God to move through this, we, that's what the church is supposed to be, guys. So we're going to do that. And some of you go, well, what's my part in it? Well, stick around and you'll figure it out. And I want you to understand something. Whether you're greeting people in the parking lot, or you're changing diapers, or you're helping in a Sunday school class, or you're singing on the worship team, or you're putting bulletins out here, whatever it is that you're doing, I'll tell you something. Chuck, new family, y'all haven't even met them yet. Chuck comes back here every Friday, and you know what Chuck does? Chuck gets out here and he mops the floor every week and he vacuums the halls. And he comes in here and he makes sure that the tithe envelopes and the prayer cards are in here because that's what he does. That's what he can do. There are no excuses in the kingdom of God. Everybody has a part that they can play. And I want you to understand something. It doesn't matter what you do. You just need to do what God's called you to do because it all matters. It all matters. Everybody's important in God's kingdom. I want us to look back on our lives 30, 40, 50 years from now and go, man, I'm glad we did that. Man, I'm glad we stepped out. Man, I'm glad we advanced the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? Look look at the legacy. Our community is different. I believe when the kingdom of God begins to show up in a place that crime goes down, I believe that families get better. I believe that lives are changed. I believe there should be less sickness in our town and in our community. Because the power of God's here. That poverty goes down and wealth goes up. Because I believe that's what happens when the kingdom of God shows up somewhere. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. So look at your life today. Is the joy of the Lord living inside of you? Is the joy of the Lord flowing out of you? And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm just saying to ask yourself that question. And if the answer is no, then let's get that right. Because this is your inheritance, guys. The fruit of the Spirit 
Jesus living in you, the Holy Spirit living in you, the power of God living in you gives you joy and strength. Then when times are hard, you still have joy because we win. You know the worst thing that can happen to you is you die and go to heaven. (laughs) Oh no. Let's be the kind of people that when we get up in the morning, the demons get nervous. That hell's nervous. And let's take back our community. We we may not be able to change Washington, but we can change Sharp County, can't we? Amen? Amen? Come on, y'all. I mean, really. We get to do that. God's given us this place. It's not a mistake that you're here. God picked from the beginning of time. God said, I'm going to put them here. So let's take it back and let's advance the kingdom of God. Let's do what the Bible says. And let's see God change us and see God change the families in this area and change this region where people from around the country go, let's move to Sharp County. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's move to Sharp County. Bunch of crazy rednecks. Let's go. (laughs) Right? That's what we get to be, the kingdom of God. Heaven on earth can happen here. It takes us doing our part. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving us so much. I thank you for your word. Lord, that you've told us that your joy is our strength and you rejoice in the fact that you've made a way for us to have relationship with you, that your great joy is a fellowship and relationship with us, every one of us, from the biggest sinner to the biggest saint. You love us. And Father, I pray that you would change us. Help us to become the people that you've called us to be, to be that church to be those people. Lord, I pray that your blessing would fall on this place. I pray for every family, Lord. I pray for every person that's here today that you would reveal to them your love for them and, Father, your plan for their life and that we would be a people that would just believe you and then do what you say and step out in faith and become those people, a peculiar people. people that just believe you and love each other. We love you, God, and we love each other. And it changes our lives and it changes our community because you said it would. And Lord, I believe that. Father, speak to us today. Move in our hearts and our lives. Hallelujah. If you're here today, and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, hopefully you're looking at this and going, I want some of that. I need some Jesus. I need him in my life. If you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your Lord, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me, but I want that. Or if you're here today and you're a Christian, amen, I see your hand. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've walked away from God, but today... You want to rededicate your heart to the Lord because you need that joy. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. 
Here's what I want to do. You can put your hand down. I'd like the prayer partners to come forward. This is the most important thing we do every week, y'all. And if you're here today and you need, you, for any reason, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, you want to give your life to the Lord, you, you need healing in your body, there's something that you're dealing with, you need somebody to agree with you, I want you to understand something today. There's power in the presence of God and there's power in agreement in prayer. And if that's you, for whatever reason, the altars are open, just come. Just step out and come. Whether you raised your hand or not, just come. There's somebody that's going to agree with you in prayer. If things are good in your life and you're not going to come, I want you to pray for those that are here that need prayer, that God would minister to them. Amen. We'll leave the altars open for a few minutes. Let's pray. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can So take my hands, hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, but take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me.
this book right and this book talks about salvation and this book talks about healing and this book talks about all these things we believe these things we believe when we pray for people God's going to heal them some of those is going to be manifest physically some of those manifest spiritually whatever however God wants to do it but we're going to believe that he's going to honor his word You know, the greatest thing to me is to see God change a life. You know, I always thought it was awesome that God raised Lazarus from the dead. But you know what? Lazarus died again, didn't he? Physically. But he went to heaven. So the amazing thing was that he was saved spiritually, right? So he never got sick again. And if Jesus delays, doesn't come back for a few years, we're all going to go that way. But I believe that he's going to heal people physically in this place. I also believe he's going to heal people spiritually in this place. We serve Him, we love Him, and we're going to believe. I believe He's going to restore families. I believe He's going to change lives because that's what He does. Amen? Amen? Grab your neighbor's hand. If you're worried that they've got some kind of bug, we've got Germex and stuff out of the lobby. Just, uh, you know. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this family. Lord, I pray that you would move in our midst. Lord, we believe you for great and mighty things. We believe you for changed lives, changed hearts, physical healing, families healed. Lord, the whole nine yards. We believe you, God. Give us wisdom and vision. Help us be the church that's your people doing your thing. Bless us as we go. Help us to carry your love and your mercy into our community and our families. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen. Now you got a high five, five people today. Tell you, glad they're church. We'll see you tonight.
more time. Hey